Well, it is good for me to be back here after almost two weeks away. I have to fulfill my responsibilities, so I have to leave the shrine and be present to those things that I need to do on the behalf of community. But it is, it is wonderful to be back. As I came to the shrine, the first thing that strikes me is all of you who are here, but also the many people that have come across who actually are watching our celebrations of the Eucharist, and that's in many places. And they were happy to relate to me how important this Eucharist is. God chooses a place, but God chooses also time for us. God chooses a place because he wants us to come to know him. He, want, he chooses us because he wants us to experience who he is. He wants us to receive the promises he offers. He also chooses us so that we may also be the witnesses of what he has done for us. And today we go back to the Old Testament, to the book of Genesis. And it is there that we hear when God establishes a covenant relationship with Abraham. It is always a gift of God. Abraham received the gift to know God. He experienced this gift to know him, although he did not know the fullness of who God is, as you know. He did not receive the gift of knowledge of the Holy Trinity. He did not receive the gift of the knowledge of Jesus who died for us, who rose from us for us. He did not receive that gift, but he came to know God as someone who's present, someone who's there for him, someone who also promised him a special, special gift, and that is a gift of future generations, that he'll be God for them, that his progeny will be as numerous as the stars of the sky and sands of the seashore. So today what we hear is that moment when the Lord promises Abraham the special relationship. Abraham prostrated himself, which means, first of all, we see Abraham as acknowledging God to prostrate himself before God, which means he accepted him as the one who reveals and honored him. He honored him. That means he welcomed him into his heart, into his life. And then that's when God spoke to him. So first of all, we have a type of acceptance in faith. To prostrate is to acknowledge that he's the one and he honored him with his whole life. So then God spoke to him. My covenant with you is this. You are to become the father of a host of nations. So no longer shall you be called Abram. Your name shall be Abraham. Ham meaning the father of. So he promises that he will be the father of, but father of, of hosts of nations. I will render you exceedingly fertile. I'll make nations of you. Kings shall stem from you. Okay, so the first promise the Lord is, makes to him is first of all that he will be a father of hosts of nations and I will make you 
fertile. You have many, much, many, many uh, from you that will come and that will be your progeny. But the interesting thing is there's Abraham responds with a yes, but the difficulty is he has no children. He has no children. He has no one. It's a wonderful promise, but what happens is the Lord, are you going to deliver? But we see here something very interesting that the Lord doesn't say. I mean, the Abraham doesn't say to the Lord, are you sure? Uh, when, when will it happen? How's it going to happen? So ultimately he does have a son, Isaac, towards the end of his life, when he's already, when he's quite old. He does, but only one son. Can you rely on the fact that God says you'll have multiple, you know, you'll be very fer fertile and fruitful. He doesn't look like he's very fruitful. He doesn't have 10 or 20, 20 children or so. But he does accept on faith. This is, he's not arguing with God here. He accepts on faith. This is the type of faith that Abraham had, is accepting it. And we see in the gospel how the people, the people of the covenant argue with Jesus. They're arguing. Everything he says, they contradict him immediately. You know, sometimes, sometimes I say to a person who was going through difficulty, I said, just keep on praying. Place your confidence in God. But they immediately say, well, I prayed already. Nothing happened. I already said this, or I said that. I've been praying for my son, daughter already for a while, and they don't seem to be going to church. I, I said, keep on doing. I, I give the, that which I already said many times. You invest in prayer, pray for 20 years, and then, then talk to the Lord rather than argue, I prayed already. Again, we have an ex example of Abraham. He accepts it. And we see what happens is that the generations after him, so Abraham has Isaac, Isaac has Jacob, and only third generation, we have 10 children, 10 sons of Jacob, only a third generation. And that's what happens is famine. And then in the meantime, we see one of Jacob's sons is Joseph, who's sold to slavery. Uh, the whole nation or the Jacob's family is in danger of dying. But then they go and go to Egypt and that's what God prepares. This is how God works. It seems like we don't even know what's going on. Did Jacob know? He only knew that Joseph is dead. Did his brothers know? He said, well, he was sold to slavery. We didn't know what would happen to him. And yet see how God works. God seems to provide things that we don't even know and under, understand, and yet he seems to provide. So he sends out someone like Joseph to prepare something for the family, for their survival, for the survival of the descendants of, of Abraham. And so it is in Egypt, not in Canaan, not in the promised land, but someplace outside. He provides for them an environment where they can grow and multiply where it can be, can, be, uh, can be sustained. And only when they already are large enough, then, then, uh, then it takes them back to the promised land through Moses. 
See, God's ways are not exactly our ways, but his promises are true and they're fulfilled. And this is what happens. I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land in which you are now staying, the whole land of Canaan as a permanent possession, and I'll be their God. We can say this, Romans kicked out the, the, the people of, of the covenant, the Jews, they kicked them out of, of the Palestine. Some remained, many had to go. And then we have almost 2,000 years later, 1,900 years, that they are able to return back. They have their own country. This seems to be something that God does, because as you know, for God, one day is like 1,000 years. And, and a thousand years like one day, because for God, all those things are true. But, but our time is not God's time. God fulfills his promises and he will take care. This is why we can invest in faith. We can invest in faith and in prayer and in everything that we do, because somehow the Lord will provide. But the Lord says to him, I promise you, but on your part, you and your descendants after you must keep my covenant throughout the ages. You must keep, be faithful to the promises. And what does the Lord accept? And what does he expect is that we acknowledge him, that we honor him, that he'll be with us, that we rely on him, and that we'll do, follow his commandments. There's not much we have to do for God. There's not much just to just to invite him to, to be with us, to walk the journey, to protect us. And even if we can't see everything, that doesn't matter because the Lord will provide and he does remember the covenant forever, not only for his chosen people, but for us. And Jesus established a new covenant, a new covenant with the fulfillment of the old. And the covenant is that for those who keep his word, they will never die. They will never taste death. This is an interesting word. To see death will never die or, or experience death. You know, we know that physically our life comes to an end. We know that. We speak of Our Lady of not experiencing death. She completed her journey on earth. She did not experience death with fears and worries, whatever it may be, what death, death creates, but she was transitioned. This is why we have assumption, assumption of Our Lady. She was, she was moved beyond this moment when earthly days come to an end and moved into heaven. When Jesus says that we don't experience or don't, we don't taste death, it's for Christians when they die, why there will be a fear beyond the grave when we're going to see the one who loves us. He loved us. When we would wish to see him, the one who we loved. It is, it is, a, is a mom afraid of a son or a daughter who comes after wherever they are, you know, to home, you know, uh, no. Or are children so afraid of their parents when they come home? No. They are looking forward to, they're looking forward. They want to see each other. They want to be with each other or spouses who are separated for whatever reason or, or, or close friends. You know, they want to see each other for us as Christians. And this is why Jesus promises that those who live 
and believe in me. Those who live my word will not taste death, will not experience death as something which is frightening, but will experience this passing beyond this grave as entering into life, as something to be to anticipate, something to long for, something to be happy about, because what's beyond the grave is the one who has loved us, is our blessed mother, is the saints, is the angels, is God the Father who will be there and will be able to see him in a special way because our eyes cannot see him because he's a spirit. So this is what we are to look forward. And this is why today when Jesus says, whoever keeps my word will not see and experience death, will not taste death, will not see death as a frightening moment, as a moment of unknown or just reject it altogether or, or seek it because it feels like this earthly life is not worth living anymore. But the Lord says, no, I will give you everything. I'll give you eternal life. And, and, and the dialogue between Jesus and the people at that time, and, and, and they tell him immediately, they say, well, you know, you, you, you will not taste death. And those who are hearing him says, you, you've got to be possessed. You've got to be crazy. You're a madman. Look, Abraham died. You know, uh, you know, prophets died. Moses died. And you say to us, you won't die. I mean, using, using their sort of common sense because they see people dying. And yet, and yet the Lord speaks to them in a language which is true. They will transition into life. They will not experience the terrors and, of death. They will not experience the, the, the fear of death. They will not fear that which will come. And so he, the Lord continues and, and he says, well, what proof can you give us? What proof can you give us? He says, I, the Lord says to them that, you know, are you greater than Father Abraham who died or the prophets who died? Are you greater? And the Lord says to him, I cannot prove. I, if I give glory to myself, my glory is worth nothing. But it's the Father who glorifies me. It's the voice of the Father that spoke when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Or at the moment of transfiguration where the disciples hear as well. He is the one. Listen to him. He's my beloved son. And so the God the Father glorifies, but then also the glory that is given is by the works that Jesus performs, the miracles, raising people from the dead, healing, everything that he offers to them. He gives signs of God's power working in, in him and through him. And we see that. We also see the glory that he gives to us ultimately through resurrection. He died and he rose from the dead. So when he says those who, those who follow him, those who are faithful to him will see also him risen from the dead. He's alive in a glorified body, in a glorified way, no longer in that which we have right now, but will be trans, transformed, glorified body that we have. And so the Lord continues, I says, I, I don't give witness to myself, to who I am, but I cannot say, I cannot not say that I am, I am, which means I share in the divinity. 
because the word, this is why he says, before Abraham came to be, I am the Yahweh. I am the one who exists. He shares in divine divine nature. He shares in he shares because he is God. Jesus is our Lord, the Kurios. He is the the Lord, the the God Himself. And as we know, in the Holy Trinity, that the God, Jesus is God by nature. God by nature, because He is He is God as the Father is from the very beginning. And so this is why they reacted immediately. They picked up the stones to throw at him because they felt he's blaspheming. We are invited today to reflect on who the Lord is for us. He promises us if we follow him, he'll be, he'll be there for us. If we promises, promise, if we are faithful to him, he promises to give us eternal life, life of glory passage into eternity. We, we don't have to be afraid of what, what future holds for us because we already know. And even if the Lord will provide for us a special moment or time of, of deeper purifications that may be as beautiful as the Lord wishes, that's not a problem because he knows what we need. He knows what we need. So therefore any form of purgatorial cleansing is okay. I, I don't mind. If, if if none of us should, because we should look forward to it, because I know who I am. I know my own brokenness. I know sinfulness. I know my lack of faith. I know all those things that sometimes try us and we lose perspective. We lose that perspective of hope even. But the, but the call is an ongoing. The minute we start opening our heart to the Lord again, he gives us that conviction, that deep knowledge, and he makes it secure through his word but also through the Eucharist, then through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He keeps on keeping an eye on us. He won't let us run away too far, like a mother who lets the child run a little farther, but as long as they, she sees the child, she's okay. She's okay. He can run, run. She can run, run. But the fact is that the Lord allows us to be who we are in our freedom, but he won't let us too far if we say to him, Lord, I need you, be with me, protect my family, protect my own, you know, sort of craziness, my own personality, which is not always that too, too nice. I have my emotions, I have my, my difficulties, whenever that may be, but you know me. And despite everything, I know that you're there and will be there for me. So may the Lord then today, as we, as we reflect on who is this Jesus, who promised us eternal life, who is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that fulfilled his promises to the people. As you know, there's two, two billion Christians, and those, you know, those are the progeny of Abraham, two billion and this billion and, 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 and point two of Muslims who also accept God of Abraham. I mean, do we need additional evidence from that one person was too old to have children and his wife, and yet God fulfills the promises. And this is why we can say to him, yes, there are signs that you give us, but even today, you know, even if I am not exactly 
you know, as open to the grace, you have to help me. You have to give me the grace to believe in you. You have to give the grace of faith to my children, my grandchildren, or my friends, and everyone. You have to give the grace of knowledge and 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 and, and conversion to people who who wish to destroy, wish to lie, wish to, you know, hurt and wound. You know, wish to, and and, and our prayer. For, for conversion of Putins and others and whoever they are. We have the power. We have the power of prayer that the Lord promises where two or three are gathered. They pray. He hears them. He gives the grace. He gives and we gather. So we, we know how it will unfold. It doesn't matter. Even if it takes 10 years or 20 years, it doesn't matter. His will will be done. His salvation will be given and we shall receive the blessings and the promises of God, the Lord, the beloved, the one who wants us to be with him for eternity. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.